Welcome to Mindfully Well, your place to get the tools and tips you need to connect to a deeper sense of wellness, naturally and simply. This podcast is for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. I'll be diving into everything that can help us live mindfully well, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Haley. Hello, beautiful humans of the world, wherever you are. Um, I am here in Seattle in my house on a gray, nice Saturday. I won't say it's a gloomy day because I I don't think it is. Um, I am the perpetual optimist and I love days like this. So on this gray day that is beautiful, I am recording this podcast for you. Um, Today is episode 10, which is really cool for me because I've been doing this for 10 weeks and it's just really exciting, honestly. Like, that's a long time to be doing something. So with this episode, I want to talk about how plastic can have adverse effects on our health and what we can do about it. So this isn't just a plastic activism podcast, which it turns into that because in order to do something about the effects that plastic has on our health, we have to become activists in our own lives and in our own communities. So that's what we're talking about today. I promise to keep it super practical and actionable and not make you feel too bad about all the plastic that is probably around you because I also have plastic in my house. And I also buy things wrapped in plastic. So basically what we're doing here is looking at how we can be better and why we should do better because ultimately it's impacting us as humans and our health and then it's impacting the world. So plastics pose a serious threat to the environment and to consumer health, meaning me and you because we're consumers in a lot of direct and indirect ways. But first, I invite you to look around your space, wherever you are, whether you're at home or in your car driving, just look around and see what what do you see? Do you see a lot of plastic? Do you see no plastic? And how does that feel? What plastic items do you see? Maybe plastic water bottles or food wrappers. I know my car is super messy right now. Like... <laughs> frighteningly? Weird word. Um, It's it's messy. Uh, My friend Natalie just got in my car yesterday and she was like, whoa, yeah, your car is a mess. But it's because I have been going back and forth from school a lot and not really cleaning up after myself. So anywho, that kind of (laughs) connects with the last episode that was all about sacred space. Ha ha. I'm also messy, you guys. But one thing that is in my car, I'm not in my car right now, but one thing that is in my car is like a bunch of lush containers. So I talked about in the Natural and Clean Beauty episode about how the brand Lush will take back their plastic containers that they use and they'll reuse those and they'll give you a free face mask if you bring back five. So I have a bunch of those in my car that I'm the next time I'm out near a a Lush store, I'm going to take those in to have them reused, and then get me a little free mask. So, 
that's one of the things that are in my car that I see a lot and I'm like, oh yeah, whenever I'm close to Lush, I've got to get that done because they're just sitting here and they could be being reused instead of Lush potentially having to manufacture more of those if people don't return them. So long story short, look around your space. What do you see? What do you notice? Um, is there one thing that you have a lot of? Like I, something I see in a lot of like Ubers and Lyft cars is water bottles. Like they always have plastic water bottles in the back seats of their car. And who knows how long they've been there. <laughs> but like that's always a plastic thing that I notice in rideshare spaces. Um, so yeah, like look around. What do you notice? Are there any trends or like items that you see a lot of that are specifically plastic? So why does all of this matter and why do I care? Well, why do I care? Seems obvious to me, but I'll share with you a little bit about my journey in becoming less of a plastic consumer. I can't say zero waste and I can't say plastic free because I am honestly not plastic free. It is a really hard task to work toward being completely plastic free. And I don't want to fool anyone by making people think that I am completely plastic free. And I don't want you to feel the pressure that you have to go from all plastic to zero overnight. Because that is not feasible and that is not sustainable. And it's a lot of stress. So for me, I started looking into the impacts of plastic on our environment and on health. And I've just decided for myself that I will no longer feed into this destructive process that's happening in the world and within me. So what that means for me is I talk about a little bit in some previous episodes, but reducing my plastic consumption and being better about when I run out of something, replacing it with something that is not plastic. So I'll get into all of those types of items in this episode, but it's basically just choosing to be better every day and doing that. So I care about this very deeply because there's a lot of greenwashing and misleading messages out there, like the recycling industry as a whole I'll talk more about, but there's a lot of really misleading and confusing things or hidden facts that are hard to access or not easily available to the public and to consumers as a whole. So it's hard to understand the impacts that these plastics are having because it's all kind of covered up by larger corporations that are producing this plastic and the illusion of recycling is good and it it does something better than not recycling, which recycling is good, but there are some other things that are important to understand in the recycling process in order to understand where it's doing the most good and where it's not doing anything at all. So I'll get into all of that. But basically, I started following, and I don't know what came first, you know, the chicken or the egg, whatever. But I started getting really curious about my plastic consumption and how I was choosing plastic-wrapped products and all of that versus where was I being misled or not knowing that there was plastic in the items I was using. And I started doing something about it and educating myself about it. So I, I want to share what I've learned with you all and hopefully help you understand where you can start to make small changes in order to have a big impact. And what I was going to say is I was I started following a woman called Plastic Free Mermaid on Instagram 
and I really adore the work that she is doing. She is educating a lot of people on plastic and better ways to go, well, to become not plastic-free, I guess. Like, she wants people to become plastic-free. She's been plastic-free for, like, 10 years. So a really inspirational person to follow that I really like, and she's taught me a lot. So I discovered her in conjunction with also becoming more aware of my plastic consumption in general, and from there I've just been working toward being better at it every day and sharing what I've learned with other people. So, anywho, we'll get into it, but that's kind of why I care and why I'm doing this episode, because I feel like there's a lot of messaging about we should care because wildlife are suffering from our consumption habits, like the oceans are drowning in plastic, and there's not as much talk about this plastic having a huge impact on our health, mainly because it's it's harder to, I, I don't know, I can't speak for the scientists, but it seems like it's not as easy to share the findings or connect the dots with the stuff because there are so many environmental factors that are impacting our health. But there's a lot of talk about save the oceans, save the turtles, and yes, 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 we must do that. And we must understand the impact of all of this on our health. And I don't feel like that's talked about as much from what I've consumed quite yet. So that's why I'm doing this. And that's why I'm sharing what I found with you through diving deeper into understanding what's actually going on inside of our bodies and why we might be feeling the way we're feeling. Imagine that. Yeah, so let's dive in. So you may have heard that plastics have been linked to things like cancer, cancers I should say, birth defects, impaired immunity, endocrine disruption, and developmental and reproductive issues. So like I said, my goal with this episode is to help you understand and respond to these risks and help you make more informed decisions in the face of them. So this is not meant to be a scare tactic episode, although the facts are scary. This is meant to inform you and educate you so that you can do something about it for yourself and the world. Because your small choices that you make every single day do have an impact whether you think they do or not. So as I was researching this episode, I found a lot of really interesting stats and studies and facts that I'm going to share with you throughout this episode. And I'll share all of the links and resources to this stuff and these studies in the show notes. But it's really interesting, and I think it's really important to know this stuff. A National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey produced by the U.S. CDC concluded that BPA, which is a plastic, or which is in plastics, I should say, was found in 93% of urine samples taken from people above the age of 6. So BPA is an industrial chemical that has been used to make billions of plastic containers and dinnerware and protective linings for food cans and toys since like the 1960s. BPA is considered an endocrine disruptor, meaning that it can imitate the body's hormones and it can interfere with the production, secretion, transportation, action function, and elimination of our natural hormones and processes. So... (laughs) That's scary, one, and that's good to know. 
So higher doses of BPA have been linked to infertility and other health problems. But let's back up real quick. Like, Let's get a refresher on what exactly is happening in the body then. If it's been a while since you've had a science or physiology class, um, I'll brief you on the endocrine system. So the endocrine system is made up of the pituitary gland, the thyroid, the parathyroid glands, adrenal glands, pancreas, ovaries in females, and testicles in males. And the endocrine system affects almost every organ and cell in the body. Meaning, it produces hormones that regulate metabolism, growth and development, tissue function, sexual function, reproduction, sleep and mood, and being alive, basically, in my opinion. The endocrine system is very important and is a big piece of your current state of health, whatever that may be. So BPA is considered an endocrine disruptor. So BPA is disrupting all of those normal functions that help us have optimal health. And another interesting thing that I found when I was researching is that in the United States, the most common endocrine disease is diabetes. So, um, yeah. Oh, and, oh, this one's good too. So, breast milk of most women in the developed world contains dozens of compounds, including BPA, that have been linked to negative health effects. So, in my opinion, if you're interested in having children someday, or if you are able to have children someday, you should be aware of these things. I think it's wise to listen up and start doing some research and understanding how to make some different choices around plastic consumption. Basically, when food is wrapped in plastic containing BPA and other toxic chemicals, they can leak into your food. So one thing that I learned when doing all of this is that there's a greater risk or a greater probability of this happening with like fatty foods such as like meats and cheeses. So think about all of the cheeses that you buy and all of the meat that you buy. And I'm not, I don't know what plastics they're wrapped in. I haven't gone to the store to research this more. But I would just be aware that when you're buying stuff wrapped in plastic, it is likely leaching into your food. And that's one of the ways that it can get into your body. Um, so yeah, just like we talked about in episode 7 about natural and clean beauty, packaging and labels can be very misleading. And they're allowed to be, which is crazy. Um, the label BPA-free on a container or bottle doesn't mean a product is free from other harmful chemicals. They could just be slightly different ones or have a different name. So companies can say this thing is BPA-free, but that doesn't make it clean or safe necessarily. And unfortunately, there's no real way for us to know if that plastic bottle or container is safe or not because these companies aren't required to tell us that. So let's look at the bigger picture, right? Plastics and garbage are estimated to be killing a million creatures in the sea every year. The ocean and its inhabitants play a huge role in our health and the overall ecosystem of the world. So they are not separate from us. When we throw something out, it doesn't just go away or disappear. It goes somewhere else. So since plastics are essentially non-degradable, they don't shrink, they just accumulate. And they will eventually take up more space than we can even imagine by like 2050 or something. I think I read a stat and I don't, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it said something like 
if we put all of the plastic in the world in one place, it would be the third largest country. <laughs> what? Like, you guys, it's terrifying. So one thing to consider and to think about as we look into this whole system of where plastics come from and where they go and what they're doing to us, my question for you is, do you recycle? I do, and I've learned that it's not as feel-good as I thought it was. There are a lot of steps and breaks in the process and the overall production of plastic that are not really working in our favor. Like, it's a process and it's a system, but it's kind of gone to shit. You Gone to shit. It's probably always been shit. But basically the recycling process has four parts. So there's the collecting of the recyclables on your curbside or, you know, like drop-off centers. So we give our plastics away. And then from there, they go to sorting facilities and they get sorted into different types. Now, from, from what I'm aware of, <laughs> if you don't clean and wash your plastics, like they are less likely to be recycled. So clean, wash, dry, or else they're probably just going to get thrown into the landfill with everything else, which is very unfortunate. So please wash and clean and dry all of the things that you're planning on recycling. And they probably won't make it that far anyway. So basically, someone comes and picks up your stuff at a facility, it gets sorted, and then they take the plastic that they can recycle and they physically and chemically convert it into like little flakes and pellets so that it can be used, reused again. And then those can be used as a final product. Yeah. So one reason that plastics are less recyclable compared to like glass and metal is because the steps in which to organize and sort them is very labor intensive, making it very expensive. So no one wants to pay for that extra sorting and that extra work it takes to make sure all the right pieces get into the right bins and, you know, funnels or whatever, which is really unfortunate, but that's how it is right now and we need to be aware of that. So the reason that is is that like different plastics have different uses and you can't just throw them all in one thing and like combine them. They won't rework that way. <laughs> it's I don't know the exact words you guys, but you can't combine a bunch of different plastics and just say this is a re reused plastic thing or whatever. Like they have to be categorized in like whatever they are made up of. So with that, like I said, your items might not even make it to a new form, unfortunately. It's really sad. I didn't know that this stat was so bad, but apparently only 9%, 9, like the single digit number, 9% of all plastic gets recycled in the U.S. Like, if that's not a reality check for me, I don't know what is, because until recently I would take my recyclables, I'd put them in the recycling, I felt so good about sitting it out on the curb, and watching the recycling truck come and take it away to its new life and it felt really good like I felt like I was contributing to the greater good and it turns out that I don't even know where my stuff is ending up in the oceans and in the landfills and in our waterways likely who knows it's really sad in my opinion so even if you don't think your plastic consumption is hurting you it is and it's hurting a lot of other people too so no one is exempt from playing their role in this problem.
even worse is that the communities that live near these plants and refineries and the places that make these plastic products are exposed to a lot of really bad things like contaminated water, chemical exposure, toxic fumes. And there have been a lot of studies examining the health impacts of these rural communities that experience the output of these companies, right? These processing plants. Um, so yeah, when it's all said and done, like your trash ends up near the people who live close to these disposal places or production places and it just kind of repeats a really sad and crappy cycle. So I looked into the plastic production process and was trying to understand where can I as a consumer step in? Like where can I start having an impact on all of this? And it turns out that your impact starts when you stop buying plastic, when you stop being a consumer of plastic is the only way from what I have found that individual consumers can have an impact. So basically what happens is plastic is first made by the extraction and transport of fossil, fossil fuels basically to be made into plastic. So from that process of fracking and getting the chemicals out of the ground there have been a lot of impacts on human health like cancer, neurotoxicity, reproductive and developmental toxicity, immune issues, and a lot more. Like These toxins have a direct and documented impact on skin, eyes, and sensory organs, and it's worse the closer you are to these plants or these sites where they are extracting the, the fossil fuels. Um, so from there, they take it to the refining and production process to create the plastic resins and ultimately products that we see on shelves. So they transform the fossil fuel into plastic and then those release carcinogenic and other highly toxic substances into the air during that process. So again, there's a lot of documented effects of issues with the nervous system, reproductive, cancer, leukemia, genetic impacts. And these are like these are impacting the in industry workers and communities neighboring these different facilities because they're the closest to it, and that's where they live. And unfortunately, we don't see that. I I don't live near any sort of refining or production plant, and I don't know if you do, but I don't see the effects in which my lovely product is coming from and hurting the people around it. So it's really interesting to look at. This isn't happening like in a silo or in isolation. It's happening and rippling out to the communities nearest them. So the production plants and stuff. Um, yeah. So then consumer products are the, are the product of this process in which we go to the stores and we see these pretty things on the shelves. So the use of plastic products leads to a lot of ingestion of plastics. I can't remember what I read earlier this year that said the average person eats like two pounds of plastic or something. I'll have to I'll have to find that fact and share it with you all because I can't remember if that's it. But I'm pretty sure it was something like we ingest almost two pounds of microplastics in a year. <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> like it's terrifying and disgusting and. WTF. Like, how and why is that happening? And that can't be good for us, right? Like, 
it's not something to write off and just be like, that's just the way it is, because I don't believe it is just the way it is, and it hasn't always been that way. And our health is worse than it's ever been, so there's some correlations there in my mind. But basically, the fuels get extracted, it gets made in a plant, that whole process is affecting communities nearby, and then we're going to the store and buying it, and we're using and utilizing these products, and then we throw them away in our recycling bins, and then they likely won't get recycled, and we go about our day. <laughs> so then the toxins get released in waste management facilities, depending on heat and where they end up, and if they end up in landfills versus sorting facilities, and it's a toxic, really sad cycle, apparently. And not just apparently, like, of course it is. Of course it wasn't going to be pretty, and I didn't think it would be pretty when I was diving into all of this, but it's a lot uglier than a lot of us know, because it's just not really talked about openly. So, I said a few seconds ago, or a few minutes ago, whenever it was, the word microplastics. And I first learned this word earlier this year. I had no idea about the, the term microplastics. Like, it had never entered my field of consciousness. And microplastics are very real, and they're having a big impact on animals and humans. So I wasn't really aware of it, but basically microplastics are tiny, tiny, tiny little pieces of plastic particles that are entering the human body via contact and ingestion and inhalation and et cetera, et cetera, our waterways. Um, and it can lead to some really bad health issues like inflammation, oxidative stress, um, cancer ultimately, cardiovascular diseases ultimately, inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, arthritis, etc., etc. All the bad things that we don't want, right? We don't want to experience those things. And they're not inevitable. They're not in great, like you don't have to get cancer because someone in your family had cancer. That's a whole other episode. But microplastics. One thing that I didn't know about them is that when you wash synthetic clothing, all of the little microplastics, which come from synthetic clothing, are being washed down the waterways and going straight into our water sources. And they're not as easy to filter out because they're so tiny. Ah, uh, what? Like, yes, there are some cool products that you can buy that like catch these microplastics in your uh, washing machine. And then you can like help reduce all of the microplastics being flushed into the waterways. But I'll share a little bit about that at the end. I just thought it was really crazy and interesting that there are so many microplastics everywhere that we're eating like two pounds a year or whatever I said. I'll verify that stat, I promise. I'll have to find where I saw that. But yeah, even the things we can't see are happening. And then that leads me to the feeling of, well, if we don't even know it exists and we feel pretty healthy now, like I can't really do anything about it and I can't, like I can't do anything right like you feel kind of helpless it's like radiation it's like well there's radiation everywhere so what do I do to prevent or lessen the impact of that and what we're talking about here is lessening the impact of all of these things I cannot promise that you won't ingest microplastics I cannot promise that this stuff won't stop but our small choices like I said in the beginning can have an impact and I think preventative or proactive is better than reactive. 
So how can we be proactive then? Those are a lot of scary and real facts. I'm sure you get it. I get it. I understand. I think it's important to remind ourselves of it regularly, but I'm not going to keep drilling it in your head. I think it's important to talk about what we can do and what we can think about and consider and start to change in our own lives in order to have an impact, if even just for ourselves and within our households, right? Because that will affect the world. It might not seem like it, but simply learning how to organize your recycling better, that will have an impact. And it will be a little extra work on your part. Sorry, not sorry. Like, we're very lucky to even have access to recycling. Um, I remember, oh God, it was in February when I went to El Salvador in Central America. There was trash everywhere because they do not have the infrastructure and the means in which to dispose of or hide all of the waste that is happening. It was really, really eye-opening to me to see how much trash was sitting around everywhere and like I'd never seen that before. So we are very lucky that we do have systems in place that will allow us to dispose of stuff efficiently or maybe effectively, hopefully effectively, but we need to know how to use these systems as well. We can't just rely on recycling to take our stuff away and do the thing. We need to also do our part because it's too labor-intensive otherwise. So anyway, what can we do to be proactive? Well, here's a fun list of the top polluters that we should be aware of. Coca-Cola. If you have a Coca-Cola near you, stop. <laughs> I know this is like a, I feel bad saying it because I haven't, I don't drink soft drinks or sodas or whatever you want to call them, but, um, I'm going to call my mom out real quick because my mom loves Coke. Like, she really, really loves Coke. And it, my family in general drinks soft drinks and um, they really like them. And it's because they're addictive, literally. Um, maybe I'll get into a different episode about addictive food substances because I think they're very interesting. But Coca-Cola, ditch it, man. Stop consuming. Stop supporting them. They are the top polluter period. And every time you give them money, they pollute more. And it's not, it's not because of pollution, it's because of the production. So when you buy it, they make more, and then it gets disposed improperly. It never breaks down. Wash, rinse, repeat. Or people don't wash, rinse, but repeat. Um, it's really bad. So Nestle, PepsiCo, Unilever, Mars, all those M&Ms y'all love. I love M&Ms too, honestly. See, like I'm not perfect. Um, but P&G, Colgate, a few other really big brands, which they are the biggest companies, they are the top polluters by default, and they could be doing a lot better. And there's some ways that you can get involved if you feel called to participate in like the global activism of hopefully causing change with these companies I'll share at the end but yeah just stop buying their products altogether and that will be a huge help I think what was it I saw one study that was done and I'll share the link in the show notes that said like in the United States there were like some audits done so like some litter and trash and pollution audits done and like the top things that were found were like solo cups 
Nestle wrappers and packaging and Starbucks cups. So that's interesting. And I live in Seattle where Starbucks comes from. I don't go to Starbucks, but um, not often anyway, unless we're in the middle of nowhere and there's a Starbucks as our coffee option. But those are the big things that are being thrown out and are not breaking down. So you've heard it a billion, a trillion times, I'm sure. But the phrase reduce, reuse, recycle isn't just a sweet, lovely phrase that you can like chant over and over again. It's actually um, instructions. So instruction one being reduce, like reduce your consumption. And then once you reduce, you should also be reusing what you can reuse. And the last thing that you should be considering is recycling. Because if I haven't made it clear enough, only 9% of items get recycled in the U.S. So it's, it's the last option, you guys. It's not even, everyone should start recycling right now. That's not going to help necessarily because when you start recycling, you don't understand how the system works. And you think that, like I shared earlier, like you put your things out on the curb and you watch it be driven away and it feels real good. That's how I felt. And that's not the truth of the matter, unfortunately. So... Reduce, reuse, recycle. How can we start to reduce? If that's the most important thing, let's talk about some ways in which that can be done. So the biggest and main point is eliminate all single-use plastics, period. Like This is pretty easy, guys. We know, we know which plastics are single-use. You can tell. It's all of the grocery bags. It's all of the plastic water bottles. It is the straws. It's to go to to go to go containers I can't say that one um, cups cutlery ziploc bags unless you reuse yours but I think there are better options for that um, it means refraining from accumulating more stuff that is going to get thrown away because it's single use and like I shared earlier using these products are impacting your health so it's all tied together and it's all connected the first thing we need to do is reduce our consumption. So start by just saying no to plastic items that are given to you. So if someone is, if you go to a restaurant and you sit down and you're not sure if they have straws or not, before they bring you anything, just politely ask, please don't bring, bring me a straw. Don't ask, state. I don't want a straw, thank you. And ultimately, that's that's good for them because they're using less and they're not having to spend more money on buying more. So <laughs> it all has a chain reaction, but decline plastic straws and cups and utensils and shopping bags whenever you can. Um, I know in Washington, and this isn't the case everywhere, but we actually get, um, what is it called? We get charged if you don't bring your own bags. So there's like a bag fee. And they're plastic, or they're not plastic, they're paper bags too. So like when I go to Whole Foods and I'm shopping and I don't bring my reusable bags and they say, do you need a bag? They charge me, uh, I, don't, I don't know, oh gosh, five cents or 50 cents. I don't know. They charge me some cents to give me paper bags. So not even plastic bags. Plastic bags have been completely eliminated as far as I'm concerned, or they are in the process of being eliminated and being made illegal in a lot of states. Look at your state and do the research there, but um, you'll know, like if you go to the grocery and they package all your stuff in plastic bags, 
they're not doing what Washington is doing quite in a lot of other states, but um, you don't have to wait for those laws to pass in order to bring your own reusable bags. Keep a few of them in your trunk and take them in with you when you go shopping. That's all you got to do. Like, it's super easy and they're stronger. Like, the reusable grocery bags are way stronger than the plastic bags that break. So you can, like, put a lot more in there. You ha don't have to carry as many because they're, like, sturdier. And, yeah, so in France on plastic bags, maybe. But um, also cut down on cans. So canned goods are typically lined with, like, a BPA lining. So you might think that you're buying just, like, a metal can, but they're actually lined in plastic. And a lot of things are that way. So coffee cups are also like your to-go coffee cups from Starbucks and whatnot, or from coffee shops in general. I don't want to say which ones because I'm not completely sure, but all of those, or most of those, are lined with plastic. So you're putting a delicious hot beverage into a plastic-lined container, and you're drinking it. So I've drank out of them before. I get it. I understand. The one thing that we can do here is just buy a travel coffee cup and take it everywhere with you. There are like collapsible ones called Stojo, and then there are just like regular cup ones that you can like clip onto your bag and stuff or keep in your purse. So try to, I'm absolutely certain that any coffee shop you go to, if you hand them your cup and say, please use my cup, they'll do it for you. Like it's really, really common. It's not like you're going to be like the weirdo who brings their own cup and no one else does it. And who cares if you are, honestly. Um, yeah, so bring your own cups, bring your own bags. You can buy, like, stainless steel and glass straws that you can keep in your bag, which is super cool. And you can also buy, like, bamboo cutlery, so, like, forks and spoons and stuff, and keep those in your purse as well. So these are pretty small items that you can have on you. If you're a guy, keep them in your car or, like, a backpack. And if you're a girl, keep them in your purse, your backpack, your car, whatever the case may be. But you can fit these items on you and take them wherever you go. It's not like you have to have like this huge duffel bag of all of your reusables <laughs> everywhere you go. It'd be kind of funny to see. I kind of like that idea. But um, there's a lot of things that you can Google that are called like zero waste kit or something. Like you can Google like zero waste kit and it'll tell you like all the great things you should have on you to be zero waste. Um, yeah, so reduce. Reduce your consumption of plastic and that will ultimately feed into the other two reuse and recycle categories. And you won't have to think about those as much because you won't have accumulated all of the plastic things that you then have to hope get recycled properly. Um, another thing you can do in the reduce category is make your coffee at home in a mug or a to-go cup. So instead of stopping every day at your favorite coffee shop to grab your latte or whatever you're getting and you don't take a reusable cup with you, make your coffee at home. Like you can buy really good delicious coffee and make it at home and then savor it and be on your way. So that's another easy way that you can like wake up five minutes earlier to do that if you need to. Um, yeah, so then that leads into reuse. So we've redust, re, redust, gosh dang it. We've reduced our consumption, yay. Now what? <laughs> reuse. So reduce and reuse kind of go together interchangeably, like peanut butter and jelly. 
that aren't in plastic. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, they kind of go together, right? So once you start buying more glass products over plastic products and you start buying different stuff, you can then reuse them. So a really cool thing to do here is like think of tomato sauce, right? You could buy the big tomato sauce in a jar or you could buy the tomato sauce in a can and if you buy the jar one, you can rinse it out and you can reuse it to store food later or drink out of or whenever you have holidays like hosted at your house, you can send people home with leftovers in glass containers versus a bunch of plastic containers. So I think that's a really cool way to reuse is start finding ways to reuse the products that you are buying and give them a new life. Um, and in general, glass gets recycled easier and better than plastic because it's easier to sort and not as complicated process, I don't think. I mainly looked into plastic for this, but I'm certain that it's not as terrifying as the plastic recycling process that we've talked about. But you can always reuse glass. So opt for glass all the time. It is worth the investment for your health. If it's 50 cents more, like take that as putting the 50 cents into the piggy bank of your health now so that you have less problems down the road. Like It matters, you guys. It really, really does. Um, what else can you do? So you can use stainless steel stuff. Um, you know, paying attention to what you're putting your drinks in when you get coffee and stuff. You can use reusable bags, glass jars, like I said. I did, a couple years ago, I went to like Target or, I don't know where actually, Target is a really bad, not bad. Um, it is a problematic large company that could be doing better at what they're doing as well. I was just reading um, some stats about Target. I love Target, you guys. Like, this made me feel very torn between Target and not Target. But they could be doing better, apparently, with their plastic reduction efforts and overall efforts to make the world a better place. And I didn't know that necessarily. So um, I'll share some resources at the end of this episode. But there are some different websites you can go to to look at the large companies and the stores that you're shopping at in order to understand their impact and whether you want to go to a different store or find a different way in which to obtain your goods. Um, yeah, so reduce and reuse. Those are the most important. And with that, um, like I said, microfibers and stuff come from clothing and there's the whole issue with fast fashion, which this episode is not about, but um, thrift stores. Thrift stores and like secondhand stores are a great way to reuse items that have been donated or given or whatever the case may be and they need a new life. So instead of buying new stuff all the time, find ways in which you can use secondhand or thrifted items in order to help reduce the production of all of the products that we use. Yeah. Um, oh, and another, ooh, another cool reuse tip is if you listened to or if you do go listen to my Natural and Clean Beauty episode, you'll hear me talk about coffee bean scrub. And basically what that is is taking your used coffee grounds and turning them into a body scrub. So reuse, yay. Um, a second life for those coffee grounds. Okay, so 
The last thing within the three-step instructions, reduce, reuse, recycle, is recycle. And there are a few things to know here. So we've talked a lot about the recycling process and where these things do and don't go and what we can do to kind of help that. So if you're unsure of where your materials will end up, you can visit your local waste sorting facilities or do some research online and contact people in order to learn like within your city or your state where things are ending up and how much they're actually recycling. So you can do that research depending on where you live. But basically, when we're looking at recycling, we want to make sure... It's so hard to say. You guys, I don't know what you consume, but paying attention to what you're recycling, right? So not just throwing everything in the recycling bin and assuming that it'll go to the right place, but paying attention to what you're recycling is a really big task, and it's really important. So... I mentioned Plastic Free Mermaid at the beginning of this episode. She's on Instagram. But basically what she does is she has like a small little jar, like a tiny, maybe like 16-ounce jar, and it's her plastic jar. So if she's traveling or something, like when you can't prevent, <laughs> you can't you can't foresee the plastic that you might encounter on like flights and hotels and stuff, she has a tiny little jar that she puts any plastic stuff in. So one thing that I learned from her is that the little stickers on our produce are not recyclable. And there's this there's this person that she mentioned one time that like makes art out of banana stickers. So then like she had she said that to her followers and like a ton of her followers sent this person all of their banana stickers so that like they could reuse them and make art. So it's really interesting to see how people reuse stuff that can't be recycled and that is so tiny that we don't even really think about. So those tiny little plastic stickers are not easily disposed of and they accumulate, right? So a way to avoid that is farmer's markets. Um, I've never gone to a farmer's market that I've seen have produce stickers on their stuff. So definitely buying local helps to reduce all those tiny little stickers. But um, one big thing with recycling is if you live in a state or a city that still has plastic grocery bags, it's important to know that you can't just throw those in the recycling bin. So you have to take these to specific stores that make sure they get recycled in the right way. So I know at Whole Foods, there's like at the front of the grocery store, there are like different bins that you can put different recyclables in. It's the same with like ink cartridges and light bulbs and stuff. You can't just throw those in with the regular stuff. They definitely won't end up in the right place. So if you go to earth911.com, you can find out where you can recycle certain items depending on where you, where you live. I'll share that link in the show notes, but it's literally just earth911.com. So that's a really helpful resource to understand when and where and how you should recycle some items that you're unsure of. Um, yeah, so I want to talk a lot, a lot, Ooh. I want to talk a little bit about some cool items that you can go ahead and start swapping out, or as they run out, replace them with some better options. So we've talked about reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, this kind of falls into the reduce category, but also in the reuse category. So I've put together like an extensive list of some items that you can start thinking about replacing or... Um, reusing 
and I'll share those in the show notes, but I'm just going to read through it and kind of talk about some items that I found that are really easy to start doing this work with. So the first thing on the list is toothbrushes. So I don't know the exact stat off the top of my head, but something like, oh, I don't even know, billions and trillions probably of toothbrushes end up in landfills and then they don't break down. So they're just accumulating. And I, like I said, I don't know the stat, but it's a lot because your dentist tells you to replace your toothbrush every three months or sooner. I think it's three months. Um, and then you throw one out, you get a new one, you throw one out. You, so that's a lot of toothbrushes. Actually, I'm curious to know the stat on how many toothbrushes an average person uses in a year. I'll look into that. But basically what you can do is step one, keep your old toothbrushes and use them to clean. So cleaning like tile and grout and little tiny areas that you can't get to, toothbrushes make a great little scrub brush. So keep those like under your sink or wherever you keep your cleaning supplies and use them again and again and again and again. Um, and then with that, when you use your last plastic toothbrush, replace it with a bamboo toothbrush. So bamboo will break down and it will compost. Like a lot of them you can just compost in your regular your regular compost bin. And we didn't talk about compost on this episode, but I think we should all be composting because throwing your scraps, your food scraps, into the trash, they land in the landfill and they do more harm than good. They don't just break down into compost. They let off a lot of CO2 based on the pile of shit that they're sitting on. So the idea that throwing your food scraps into the garbage is okay is actually not true but we're not really going to get into that. Um, just be mindful of what can be composted and what cannot. Um, another thing is your floss. So a lot of floss comes wrapped in plastic. There's a lot of floss that's made with plastic. Be mindful of the type of floss that you're using and recycle the container appropriately as you can find the information on. Um, cotton swabs. So I think you're not even supposed to put cotton swabs in your ear anyway because it's bad for them. I'm not an ear doctor, but I don't think you're supposed to really use them. But there are some cool reusable options now that are like silicon and you can like use them and wash them and reuse them. I geeked out the first time I heard of these. I think my friend Christine and I were like texting back and forth like, did you see these reusable Q-tips? They're so freaking cool. What the heck? So... There are some cool options out there for reusable items that you wouldn't think would exist. Um, sponges. So I saw the other day, I follow an account here. And it's actually a store in Seattle called Eco Collective, but they sell and share a lot of really cool eco-friendly products. And they shared a sponge alternative the other day that was made out of a gourd. It's like a pumpkin or a squash or whatever. I guess that's... Is a squash the same as a gourd? That's an interesting question. Um, I'm not completely sure. But it was made out of a gourd and it was dried up and it was a sponge and it eventually breaks down and biodegrades. So that's a cool sponge option. And there are like bamboo scrubbies and stuff that you can use kind of like toothbrushes. So pay attention to the type of like sponges and scrubbies you're buying and buy better options or do some research to find the better options and create a plan for replacing the things you have now. Um, if you listen to the period empowerment episode, I talked a lot about 
reusable menstrual products and the impact of non-reusable menstrual products on the world and our health. So check out that episode if you're curious about how you can make your periods zero waste, literally. Um, That's one place that it is pretty easy to go zero waste and plastic-free. But menstrual products are a place where you can start to swap stuff out. Um, Razors. So I can't remember the name of the razor that I discovered recently and that I want to buy, but it's basically all metal and it doesn't have any plastic on it. So, and it looks kind of like an old school razor, but it's beautiful and probably rose gold or something. I can't remember, but um, a really good option to reduce plastic consumption with razors and razor heads and rebuying all the time and etc. Um, what else? So toilet paper. You can get a bidet, or you can buy different toilet paper types. So if you haven't noticed, toilet paper comes wrapped in plastic, as do paper towels. And I find that highly ironic because they're paper, and then they're wrapped in plastic, and what the hell. So (laughs) pay attention to the paper towels and the toilet paper you're buying. There's a brand that I've seen recently called Who Gives a Crap, and they... I think they ship directly to consumers and their toilet paper is not wrapped in plastic. It's like wrapped in paper. So interesting one there. Just notice where your items are wrapped in plastic when they shouldn't be. Like vegetables. I think vegetables wrapped in plastic is terrifying and I don't want my vegetables wrapped in plastic. So um, another thing that I do at the grocery store that I forgot to share earlier is I don't use the produce bags. I just put everything like in my cart or my basket. And when I get home, I wash them really well. And I have a great immune system. I've never gotten sick or like diarrhea from dirty vegetables. So don't use the plastic baggies. Like how wasteful. And then we bring them home and throw them away. It makes no sense. Um, You can also go like wherever the mushrooms are in your store and grab like the paper bags if you do want to put your stuff in a different bag or you can buy reusable produce bags and that's a really great option so yeah plastic bags straws we've talked about those shampoo and soap I definitely say get bar soap over bottled soap Um, listen to my natural and clean beauty episode for more ideas and options there coffee cups we talked about plastic cutlery talked about Um, plastic wrap so instead of buying like saran wrap or plastic wrap for food you can buy beeswax wrap wraps (laughs) you can buy like these wraps reusable like food covers that are made out of beeswax and they're reusable so I have some of those they're really cool Um, also replacing all of your Tupperware and plastic storage containers with glass is huge do not do not do not microwave plastic food containers you're immediately I don't know if this is completely true or not but in my opinion you're immediately releasing all of the crap into your food and microwaves make your food taste weird so stop doing that (laughs) use glass containers I promise it's worth it and they last way longer than plastic so you won't be rebuying them as much and wasting money on crap that breaks and you know all that um, let's see, um, like Ziploc bags. There are some really cool bags now that, like, there's a brand called Stasher Bags, 
and they're made out of silicon, but they're reusable and they work just like a Ziploc bag and they last forever, apparently. Um, reusable K-cups. So if you have like a Keurig for your coffee, I recommend getting the like little reusable metal thing. I think it's metal that you put into the thing and you put ground coffee in that so you're not throwing away K-cups every day. Um, I don't have a Keurig, but I know a lot of people have those. So be mindful of all the plastic you're ditching by using those. And you're filtering your coffee through a plastic pod into your cup and drinking it, which seems like a really odd way to get your coffee intake. Um, yeah, let's see. Replacing different pots and pans whenever they're old and broken and done for with cast iron is a great idea. Cast iron is much better for you than Teflon and stainless steel. Uh, cast iron and stainless steel is better for you than Teflon is what I'm trying to say. Um, getting rid of like plastic mixing spoons and spatulas and going toward bamboo or stainless steel is a good option. Um, milk. Milk is a big, I know a lot of people buy milk, I don't really buy milk, but buying milk that comes in glass versus plastic, something to be aware of and consider. Um, tea bags. A lot of tea bags are mostly plastic, which is the same thing with like a K-cup you're brewing something in hot water in plastic so that plastic is leaching into your beverage and you're consuming it. Um, so look for tea bags that are made with like cotton or different, there's a ton of different options now but just research the company and you'll find out pretty fast whether the tea bags are like full of plastic or not. Um, we talked about clothes a little bit but there are some little things you can put in your washing machine like I mentioned called, oh now the name is escaping me. There's like washing bags and like little little ball, like I think it's like a ball shape that you can put in your washing machine and they'll catch the microplastics for you. Um, yeah, and then cleaning products are a great place to start. I've kind of mentioned this stuff in a few episodes, but I love the, bra the brand Blue Land and they, so they do a thing called Plastic Free Fridays where their staff will do a whole day plastic-free and they kind of document it. So that's one way to start to become more aware of your habits is doing like a full day of plastic-free initiatives and seeing how much you consume, how much you don't, and how you're doing. Um, but Blue Land is the cleaning products that I use and they basically send you one bottle for each cleaning supply and then you get these little like pods that are wrapped in paper, so they're not wrapped in plastic, and you drop them into water and it makes like a really great natural cleaning solution. So I like Blue Land. There are a few other options out there, but there seems to be a really great model for reducing plastic waste. Um, yeah, and then pins, phone cases, all of the different items you see that you use all the time, start to look at different ways you can replace them with plastic-free options or reuse them or whatever, like getting like refillable pins versus one-time use pins is a great way to change that up. So I'm sure you've heard the saying that it takes like 21 days or more to break a habit or for a habit to stick, like a new habit to stick. So some different things that you can start doing now to shift your habits and shift the way you're consuming plastic would be to switch from plastic bags to reusable bags. Um, not microwaving your plastic containers to heat up your food. Um, doing like a trash inventory, like I mentioned that a few 
different organizations do and the Plastic Free Mermaid has like a little glass jar for her plastic stuff. So doing like a trash inventory and understanding where you're putting everything and what you're consuming and how you can reduce certain things is a great way to start understanding like how much are you actually consuming and get an idea for what's going on in your household. Um, Plastic Free Fridays, you can learn more about those at Blue Land's Instagram probably, I'll link to it, but you could try like a Plastic Free Day, kind of like the Meatless Monday movement. Definitely create a Plastic Free Day in your schedule as well. Um, say no to free junk, like free USB drives and straws and pens and keychainy things and weird plastic stuff. Just say no to them um, if you're not going to use them, if they're not useful. Um, for me, I switched my paper towels to cloth towels, and that really helped me understand some of my consumption habits. And going thrifting and buying secondhand items is another great habit to form that will replace different consumption product or consumption habits. Um, yeah, and please just note that you don't have to go out and buy all eco-friendly products to start being more eco-friendly or reducing your plastic consumption. You don't have to go out and buy all new glass containers and beeswax wrap and bamboo toothbrushes like all at once and spend all of your money trying to be better. You can do it slowly and there are a lot of items that are unnecessary that are out there that you can just like use regular stuff on your own like glass jars from one food product you can use for storage of another. Instead of buying a ton of different glass containers you can kind of build up your collection over time. So please don't think that you have to like go ditch everything and rebuy new stuff in order to be like super eco-friendly awesome person because you're already an awesome person and this is a lifelong practice and lifelong work. So you're not going to get it right at first. You're not going to get it right ever probably. It's really hard existing in a world that is covered in plastic and throws it everywhere but to be more mindful is better than to ignore it and have to deal with the effects later. So, proactive mindfulness, I think, is the way to go. Be easy on yourself. Don't, don't beat yourself up over your current consumption habits. Just become aware of them and create a plan to get better at them with whatever better means to you. So, like I said, I'll include a ton of links to the show notes, or a ton of links in the show notes, that you can find over at HaleyHeishman.com backslash podcast. Um, yeah, and good luck. Message me if you have any questions or find any cool stats. I love learning new stuff. And we can do this together. We can do this individually. And ultimately, we can impact the world by our simple choices. So, like I said, this is not a litter problem. This is a plastic production problem. And as soon as we start decreasing our consumption, we will ultimately have a bigger impact on the massive industry that is producing all of this. So the less people buy, the less will be made. So just take that with you and remember it as you go. Um, yeah, we can have an impact and we can certainly have an impact on our health with our choices. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you love it, Feel free to leave a review or subscribe or share with a friend. I would love to connect with you all over all of this stuff. And yeah, I'll be back next week with a new topic.